The following audio is via a Skype call. Are you feeling stuck in unhealthy habits, toxic relationships, or low self-esteem? Do you crave a healthy relationship filled with inspiration, love, acceptance, and fun? You are tuned into the right place. The Laura Richer Show starts now. Join me, dating coach Laura Richer, as we share tools for using your dating breakdown for a relationship breakthrough. You might just be on the verge of attracting your soulmate. Attract the relationship you truly want and deserve. Now, join us for the show. Welcome to the Laura Richer Show, broadcasting on Transformation Talk Radio. I'm your host, dating and life coach, Laura Richer. I'm also the owner of Richer Healing Hypnosis, Reiki and Coaching. And I'm so excited to be here with my co-host, Andy Lucas. Hi, Andy. Hello, everyone. I'm so great to be here. Thanks for having me again. Of course. So Andy is the owner of Hummingbird Marketing Services, a boutique marketing firm that helps small businesses by offering a flutter of creative solutions. Yes. <laughs> so today I have been very excited to do this episode of the Laura Richard Show because we are going to be answering your questions. I've been getting emails coming in from listeners of the show asking questions about dating and um, just anything around finding a relationship. And today we're going to get into answering those questions. So Andy, I believe has a list prepared. I do. I have a list prepared before we get started on that. Laura, can you tell everybody what the richer love dating program is? Yes. So the richer love dating program is a 12 week program that I developed based on my five year experience of being single and being in the dating trenches. And I put together a program for women to help support them while they are looking for their partner and to be able to have fun while they're dating. Sometimes it can, dating can just be a real drag if you're not in the right mindset. So yes. the Richer Love program includes coaching one-on-one, a group coaching component. It also includes some uh, guided meditation hypnosis sessions mm-hmm. and a lot of really great content each week to help support you on your dating journey. It truly is a fantastic program, and I feel like there's nothing like it out there with all of the, with the journal workbook, and like you said, the guided hypnosis, that is such a, such an added benefit to it. So anyway, you have been getting a lot of questions um, from listeners of the show, and so let's just jump right in. These are all from women who have maybe found themselves single at a time that they didn't expect to be, and they are out there actively seeking the one. So the first question we have is where can I go to meet people that isn't at a bar? So that is a great question. because I think that people get really frustrated because they feel like the only place you can go to meet people is at a bar. Um, I, if you have listened to my show at all, know that I am a fan of online dating. I know some people don't love the online dating scene, but it is a really great way to connect with local single people in your area. Mm -hmm. So while there might be single people at a bar, whether you're going to connect with them or talk to them or not, or, you know, be, they'll have any of the traits that you're looking for, you know, you just don't know. And you don't even know if they're single and actively looking for a relationship. So it might just be a misfire altogether. Exactly. You know, when I go to, when I was single and I would go to the bar, a lot of times I would go with my friends who were all coupled up and there were no other single people there. Right. So you just, not that you couldn't meet someone at the bar, but you, you don't certainly don't have to look there. So I think online is probably the easiest resource to connect with other single people. If you have an aversion to using online, 
I would recommend doing things that you enjoy doing. So if you love to play tennis, you know, get into groups that involve playing ten tennis with other people, especially if there's some kind of group that is for singles. So I know there's things like events and adventures um, in Seattle where, where I live, um, but there are other organizations as well mm -hmm. that put together events that are just for single people. And then you want to go and connect with people who like doing the things that you do. So if you love yeah. to play tasting, go wine tasting. If you love to play a certain sport or go hiking or do outdoors things, look for your people in the activities that you like to do. There's a good chance you'll find somebody there that you have a lot in common with. Absolutely. I have a good friend who did a, it was a singles kind of tour and it was a tour over in Europe and it was like a two to three week trip. And she ended up meeting a guy on that. They were both single because everybody on there was kind of singles, but it wasn't necessarily a matchmaking tour or anything like that. But they ended up getting married. It really worked out well for her and they both loved to travel. So it was, it was kind of perfect. She did something she loved to do and ended up meeting the man of her dream. So there you what? go. What a great story. And like you said, it's not a matchmaking group. You don't know for sure if you're going to connect with someone, but you have a better chance if you're doing an event that's geared towards single people, just not an event in general. So I think Absolutely. that's such a good idea. And in the meantime, if you don't connect with your person on that event, it doesn't really matter because you're doing something you like anyway. Exactly. There's no, no harm, no foul. As so, Alex Trebek would say. <laughs> so, so I like that. I think there's a lot of options. Yes. So that's a great way to go about it. And then the other thing that I think is a good way to connect with people, again, like-minded people, are taking classes. So if you have wanted, and again, classes don't necessarily uh, guarantee that they're geared for singles, but it's still another avenue. If you love to cook, take a cooking class. Or if you love poetry, maybe there's a writing class you've always wanted to take. Yeah. Um, and you just never know. So you really can connect with people anywhere in the world, all over the place. But I think you have a better shot of connecting with potential people to date and potential partners when you pursue activities that are geared towards single people. Agreed. I think there's also the opportunity that we've talked about many times before, and Peggy Bennett has been on your show before, yes. of using a matchmaking service where mm -hmm. they are actively putting together people based on their personality. So that could work too. And there's yep. always speed dating and that kind of thing too. Yeah. Yep. There are anything, just search, do a Google search of uh, activities for singles in your area and you're going to find all kinds of options. Yeah. You don't have to just go to a bar. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Next question came in. How do I get to know someone when they say one thing and do another? Mm. So this is a great question. Um, because when we're dating, and I have this experience myself, you are trying to read other people's behavior and you're trying to interpret if they're acting a certain way because of they're responding to something you've done or you're kind of playing detective with, with the, the information that they're throwing down for you. But yes. I would say that if someone is saying one thing but doing another, that you cut your losses and you move on. And the reason for that is, is this is not a genuine person um, so we don't really know what they're about. You know, are they, what, if they're lying about simple things, are they lying about bigger things? Or if they're not following through, say they say they really want to get together, but then they don't call you, you know, do you want to date someone who doesn't follow through with commitments? Um, I'd imagine no. that's not what most of us are looking for. No. And especially at the beginning, they are really showing you who they are, uh, and if they're not being honest with you and upfront and following through at the very beginning, why would you continue 
down a path with somebody who's already kind of disappointing you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so this is probably not a person that you want to get to know, or that doesn't really know themselves either, that they don't know what they really want right now. And that's also someone who is not in a great space for dating. Right. Um, and so I feel like the follow-up question to that is, well, Laura, I attract more than one person like that, that I've dated several guys like mm-hmm. that. We actually have a question very similar to that. So yes, what happens if you keep attracting uh, these emotionally unavailable people or liars? Yes. So we are attracting people to us um, that I am not disputing, but we're choosing who we let into our life experience. And so if you're continually engaging with people who are inauthentic in some sort of way or are disappointing you and it feels like it's a pattern, I would take a look at what choices you're making. You might be letting too many things slide. You might be negotiating your standards and expectations and and waiting for someone to change, which rarely or never happens. Um, So I would say if that is something that you are continually experiencing, it's time to go in and do a little inner work. And that's what we do in Richer Love. I actually don't even have my clients date for the first eight weeks of the program because I want them to do some inner healing work and get some clarity about what their values are and, and who they're actually looking to connect with. Sometimes that, that can be the disconnect is we're just open to whatever and yeah. we're not bringing into our lives what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that about your program is that you really have people focus on figuring out what it is that they truly want from a relationship. Cause many times we, I think we don't think about it. Like I, I know what I saw in on TV and in Hollywood. And so I, I think that's what I want. But when you really do some soul searching, you might come up with some different answers than what you are traditionally seeing. So I love that about your program. Yeah. That's awesome. So here is a kind of similar question. Why do I keep ending up with fixer uppers and tell us what is a fixer upper? So a fixer-upper is somebody who you are attracted to for some sort of reason. Maybe you find them physically attractive or they have a certain level of status or achievement that is intriguing to you, but they really don't meet your minimum requirements. And that can be for anybody. So when you think of a fixer-upper, often I think of somebody who's kind of broken down, possibly (laughs) unemployed or not, you know, living their life dreams. Um, so that's one de- definition of a fixer-upper type of person that is probably not in a good place to have a relationship because they don't have their own life in order. Right. There also can be somebody who I would put in the fixer-upper category who's super successful maybe in their life, but they aren't, um, they don't, they aren't offering the relationship or emotional availability that you are wanting to have. So if you're wanting a deep, connected relationship and this person is a total workaholic, you might connect with them and think, oh, you know, once they really get to know me, they might change. But that is, in fact, not the case. So a fixer-upper is somebody who you're projecting potential onto. You think that they're going to change in some sort of way so that then they will be the perfect partner for you. Just like when we buy a fixer-upper house, we have a vision for it, but it's not quite there yet. (laughs) The money pit. Yes, Yes, exactly. (laughs) So that's what a fixer-upper. So why why would somebody keep attracting the fixer-upper? You know, for the same reason that you would attract emotionally unavailable people, that you have an idea of what your standards and expectations are, maybe you don't, maybe you're not clear, but, but you are negotiating those. So you already know something is not right, but you have decided that you want to put some work in to change it. 
or that you or that you are willing to compromise what it is you're looking for. So if you find yourself in a pattern of doing that, it's just you're not choosing people who line up with what you're looking for in a relationship. So it, again, it goes back to that choice. Do you think there's anything to be said about I would ach- I would attract a fixer upper continually because I really don't want to look at myself? Oh, yes, that could be it too. That'd be <laughs> Um, and I think that many of us, myself included, have been guilty of this in the past where it was easier to focus on somebody else who needed help, um, and in supporting them because it just made it really easy not to look at my own life and my own self. So that's another reason why somebody could focus on a fixer upper, or they might not feel like they are in a place in their life where they deserve the partner that they actually want. And in that case, I would invite them to kind of direct their energy back to themselves and do the work that they need to do so that they are in a place to be in the relationship that they want to be in. Exactly. Um, okay. How about this one? And I, I have experienced this for sure. How can I let someone go? So the relationship is over, but how do I let them go when I still feel this emotional pull to them? Well, this is a complex question that is different for different people and different circumstances. But in general, that when you're in that space, when you're not able to detach from a relationship that you know isn't good for you, or you have detached, but still you feel emotionally unhealthy from the experience, that is the time, again, to pull back and really work on yourself. Um, and find out what it is that is keeping you connected to an experience that was most likely negative for you. So often people who are in relationships with other people who have very narcissistic characteristics can find themselves feeling completely emotionally wrecked after the relationship. Yeah. And that's not a time to get into another relationship. That is a time to pull back and to really figure out what you need to do to take care of you. And that, and that can be different for everybody. You know, in my program, I use coaching and hypnotherapy. You could also start working with a counselor or any type of healing arts practitioner or therapist. Um, or you just might take a time to like live as a single person and get to know yourself as an individual. And yeah. healing takes the time that it's going to take. And I would like for it, you know, we all want to move through it really quickly. Yes. But unfortunately, there's no set number or or formula. It's just where you're at. And I think a big part of healing is, is honoring that and accepting it. Yeah. I know that when I, um, broke up with, or the relationship ended with the, um, the fixer upper who I had dated for four and a half years, um, I felt very, still very drawn to him, even though I knew the relationship was not for me. And I was very depressed for a while. And then I just took a couple of years to just kind of process it and really get back into learning about myself again and trying to figure out what what maybe my responsibility was in the relationship and kind of process and heal. So I wanted that to be over much more quickly than it was. But like you said, it just, it takes whatever amount of time it's going to take. Yeah. To get through it. Yeah. When you resist it, which I did that too, after the end of a marriage that I thought, well, I'm done with this on to the next thing. Yeah. And I really got myself stuck because our emotions are there for us to process whenever we're ready to do it, but they, we don't get to bypass them. They yeah. will always be there. Yes. So sometimes trying to skip over them will actually get you stuck in a rut that will delay the healing process. Absolutely. 
Well, so this is another question that came in that I think is really related to what kind of what I just said. How do you move forward when you are the one who ended the relationship, but yet you're still grief stricken and you are very depressed and can't really even get out of bed? How do you move forward? Because especially if you chose it, what what advice do you have in that situation? I, this is something um, I've experienced in my own life and I've worked with a lot of clients around is sometimes people feel like, well, if I've chosen to end this relationship because it's not healthy for me and I recognize that my life needs to go in a different direction, they think that because of that awareness that you're not going to experience grief, but that is absolutely not the case. So the end of a relationship, whether it's of your choosing or not, is, you know, you were with this person for who knows how long, sometimes 10, 20, 30 years. So there is, you're going to feel a loss. None of us stay in a relationship with someone that we don't have genuine feelings for, no matter how unhappy it is. And so you, I think sometimes when people are the, when they're, when it is the person who has chosen to end the relationship, they feel like they aren't entitled to experience grief because it was their choice. But that is absolutely not true that, that you will grieve the loss of a relationship, whether you ended it or if it was ended for you. The experience might be a little different. The person who chose to end the um, relationship might experience a lot of guilt. Um, While the other person who maybe has been dumped is going to, that's the ugly word, um, (laughs) let go of, um, they may experience more feelings of rejection and grief. So it could, the dynamic could be a little bit different, but that grief is still going to be there. And again, just like I said, with any type of healing, it's going to take the time that it's going to take. You want to do the work on yourself to process your grief and your feelings um, and get to know yourself as a single individual. Once again, I know that can be challenging, especially if you've been coupled for a really long time. You Absolutely. You to learn to reestablish your identity, your identity outside of that relationship. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, I want everyone to know that has ended their relationships that you're entitled to grieve too, just because you're the one who called it doesn't mean that you're not going to have any sadness around it. Right. And I think that's something that we kind of forget. You said at the beginning where not, you wouldn't stay in a relationship if the person was horrible all the time, even if it's not the right relationship, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you have to stay in it. So it can be hard to say I'm ending this, even though there are good parts to it and it's okay to kind of let, let go of it, even if it's, there are some good parts. Well, and even if it was horrible most of the time, one of the things you're letting go of is that you had a dream for that relationship. You stayed in it because you had a vision of what it could be. And a lot of times the grief that we're experiencing is not about the actual experience itself, although that's a part of it, but also the loss of the vision that you had for your life and how that never came into being. And that happens to people, you know, not only in relationships, but in jobs and, you know, different goals. When you realize it's not going to be what you thought it was going to be, you have to grieve. That's a separate loss that you're grieving. Yeah. Um, Okay. So next question. Um, I know I want a family. So why do I keep dating unqualified candidates? Okay. Uh, So I love this question. (laughs) Um, And let me just start by saying what a qualified candidate is. So if we were to hire somebody to work in our business, we would want to choose the most qualified person that lined up with the vision of our business that 
could handle the job responsibilities. They had the, the qualifications, the educational background, the skill set to do the job we were wanting them to do. And that while this might seem not like the most romantic idea, relationships are really no different. You know, if, if you want to have a family, especially, you want to connect with a partner who also wants to have a family. Right. Bare minimum there, who also yeah. wants to have children. Um, and that's, you know, there's so much disappointment when you think somebody's going to change their mind. I mean, just because you really love children and you love babies and you think, oh, you know what, they're going to come around. Maybe that will be true, but maybe it will not be true. Right. So if I really wanted to have a family and I was dating a partner who did not, if that wasn't something I was willing to let go of for myself. And, you know, some people are on the fence. They're like, well, I'd rather have this partner than the family. And then that's great too. Yes. Um, but if that's not the case, if having a family is a part of your greater life vision that you just can't imagine life feeling like a success unless you accomplish this in your life, I would recommend to only date people who also want to have families, who also are stable and in a point in their lives where they're ready for that commitment. You know, sometimes we're not ready for that yet, especially right. people who are younger in their 20s and, and early 30s, that they're still establishing their careers and themselves and getting to know themselves and who how they want to show up in the world. So yeah. Um, you know, I you just, you have to make, again, it goes back to, and if I was my own therapist, when I was struggling and somebody said this to me, I'd say like, oh, it's not this easy, but it is. You just, you have to make a different choice. Yeah. As hard as that can feel to let go of somebody who you love, but yeah. if you don't have the same life vision, then work. someone's going to be disappointed. Somebody's going to have to give up themselves to fit into your vision or vice versa. And you're, it, you're going to resent one another and it's not going to work out. Yeah. I have a good friend whose mother didn't want to have children and the father wanted to have four children. So they compromised. They, they, they compromised and had two. Mm -hmm. And her mother was miserable most of her life and and told her frequently that she never really wanted kids. So it like did not work out for anyone in that case, I don't think. And that's the other thing is you want to think about the kids too. What kind of yes. dynamic are you bringing them into? You know, a parent who has having children forced on them could really fall in love with the kids and it could all work out or it, it might not go so well, like the example that you just gave. Yeah, could be a nightmare. Yeah, it could definitely be a nightmare. Yes. So here's another question kind of on the flip side of that. Is it true that at my age, and so I'm assuming this one came in maybe from someone uh, in their forties or better. Is it true that at my age, all the good ones are taken? No, the answer to that question is no, absolutely at, not. At any age. I think that the, at any age, there are single people. A friend of mine's aunt got divorced when she was 70. And so she was single at 70. I have another client whose husband passed away when she was 80 and she was single in her eighties and they started dating again. Yeah. So just because you're of a certain age doesn't mean that all the good ones are taken or that everyone is coupled up. There are other people who are single in your age category. I think that every age category has different challenges. Sure. So that is true. Um, but if you really desire to connect with a great partner, I, I think that's available to anyone who is looking for it. That is fantastic. I love that. And believing all the good ones are taken, believing that my, being in that mindset will absolutely sabotage your, your dating experience. Because when a good one shows up, you're not even going to recognize it because you're yeah. you're set on the fact that all the good ones are taken. So you're not even going to see the good one that crosses your path. You won't believe it. 
It's no. too good to be true. Next. Because they're all taken. Yeah, they're all gone. This must yeah. be like Santa Claus. Okay, another question. How do I move forward when my ex was a liar, a cheater, a narcissist, and how can I trust my new partner and stop worrying that he might betray me? This is, first of all, I really want to acknowledge how difficult and painful of an experience it is to be betrayed in your relationship and to be let down and have to recover from that. So this is not easy work to do, Mm -hmm. Um, but it is possible. And so the first thing that you need to work on, and sometimes even in a relationship with somebody who has narcissistic traits can totally destroy your sense of self and your trust in self. So the first thing you want to do is work on rebuilding the trust you have within yourself. And this can be really hard for people who have connected with in difficult relationships because they wonder why they made such a bad choice. And so they're like, well, I can't trust myself. Look, look what happened last time I did. Right. Uh, but that isn't true. Most likely you're not going to be, you won't make the same mistake again. You will have, you will have known too much now. You're not going to be able yeah. to make that choice again, but you still want to do the work to trust in yourself, to know that you have your own back, that if anyone is disrespectful to you or hurts you and, or betrays you, that you're going to pull yourself out of that situation. So it's not about never getting hurt again, because we, we can't get guard against that. There's no guarantee. Right. But if I know, yeah, somebody could hurt me, but I love me unconditionally. I take care of me no matter what. If somebody hurts me, I'm going to move on. Then it's pretty easy to move forward yeah. and interact with new people. Yeah. And I'm not fragile. I'm going to be able to get get through it. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. might be fragile for a certain amount of time. And if that's the case, you should not be dating during that time. You want to be in a place of feeling confident and, and really being able to trust yourself and your own instincts. Okay. I love it. We have about two minutes. So one more question before we're going to take a break. Why do I keep getting ghosted? Oh, this is a good one. Um, okay. So my first thought about that is it's totally random and it has nothing to do with you. We don't know what is going on with other people. So we don't know if they're lying and they were actually in a relationship. We don't know if they were single, but they've reconnected with their ex and they just don't want to tell you. We don't know if they were dating multiple people at once. We don't know if they just didn't really like you that much. We just really don't know what the reason is. Mm -hmm. But what we do know is this is somebody who lacks integrity because they couldn't even be bothered to tell you that they were not going to show up for whatever they're not showing up for. Exactly. Even if that's not to kindly return a text and say, Hey, I'm just not feeling this. Right. So that's a red flag right there that this is probably somebody who's flaky or just not into you, which you don't want to date somebody who's not into you, first and foremost. Um, The other thing is if it's happening a lot and we want to do some self-reflection and think about why it keeps happening, I would say that there is the possibility that you are either trying to push things forward way too prematurely. So you're going on your second date and you're like, so when are we going to meet next week? The day after, you know, right. a serious relationship. Are we going to, what do you think? Are we having kids? What's going on? So you're trying to do a little too much of that a little too soon. Um, or that you're projecting some kind of potential on somebody that they do not have. And so the person that you're engaging with is actually a character in your mind and not this person. <laughs> who's supposed to be. Okay. 
Very good. So we have to take a quick break. When we come back uh, to the Laura Richer Show here on Transformation Talk Radio, we're going to be teaching all of you how to access your dating superpower. So please stay tuned. We will be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. You said forever. You said always. Now you know things have changed and going back is not an option. It's sudden, devastating, and is like taking a leap of faith. Tune in to From Two to You, Thriving After Divorce Radio, as Sarah Lou's empowerment coach and spiritual mentor reminds you to have faith in yourself. Tune in every second Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific and listen as Sarah encourages you to leave negative stories in the past and move forward. We all need a friend when I do becomes I can't. Let Sarah help as life takes you in a new direction. Leave the guilt and doubt in the past, step into the spotlight, and show the world who you are. To find out more about Sarah Luz, visit saraluz.com. This is Debbie Pokornik with a moment for standing in your power. Self-control begins with noticing how different feelings present themselves in your body. When you're feeling sensitive, for example, your chin might quiver, tears might well up in your eyes, and your voice might catch in your throat. Anger, on the other hand, might appear as tension in your jaw, back, or arms, along with clenched fists, heat in the upper torso, scowling, and a strong desire to yell. The more aware you become of your body cues, the easier it will be to recognize when you're on the road to disaster. Choose the emotions that cause you problems, then start noticing and logging the body cues that come with them. For information and to work with Debbie, visit EmpoweringNRG.com. That's EmpoweringNRG.com. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Laura Richer Show. And today we're talking about what might be keeping you from connecting with the one and what you can do about it. I'm your host, Laura Richer, creator of the Richer Love Dating Program for women who find themselves single when they were not expecting to be single. And I am here with my lovely co-host, Andy Lucas. Hi, Andy. Hello. Thank you again for having me. And Andy, tell us what you do. I am the founder and owner of Hummingbird Marketing Services, uh, helping people with all their digital marketing needs. And I am also proud to be the co-founder of The Sasterhood, which is a really, really unique portion of the Richer Love Dating Program. It's a group coaching and group support aspect so that you can... Um, for single women going through it and who are out on the dating scene can connect with other women kind of facing the same struggles where they can 
kind of share their highs and lows and look at each other's profiles and really get the group support you need from other single women going through the same experience. Yes. It's awesome support from a really great group of women who will keep you going on your dating journey when it gets a little, little tough. Right. When you hit some speed bumps. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So we, before the break, we said we are going to teach women how to harness their dating superpower. So Mm -hmm. Laura, what is a dating superpower? So I think the most important superpower that you can have while you're dating is rejection resilience. Oh, yes. That's a good one. And so rejection resilience is the key to not choosing another narcissist or fixer upper or finding you in the same pattern that you've always been in before. Rejection, it's hard to say, rejection resilience (laughs) will be the tool that you use to, so that you always have your own back. I like it. And it will, cultivating that ability to be resilient from rejection will help to make them kind of unstoppable out there. Yes, because yeah. you, you know when you, and and when I say resilient, I don't mean uh, you, you can't avoid it altogether. You can't avoid rejection and you can't avoid any negative emotion associated with rejection. Cause I mean, let's be honest, being rejection sucks, right. but you can, you can get through it when it comes up. It doesn't destroy you. It doesn't take you down to accept uh, crumbs and table scraps or be devastated so that you can't pick yourself back up. And it might make it much more quickly that you, like you said, it's rejection hurts. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good, but if it does hurt you, you're going to bounce back much more quickly. Yes. When you're resilient. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So we have feelings, we're human beings. We won't, we won't avoid rejection altogether, but we will be resilient to it. We will move forward. And why do you feel like this is so important? Because this is what allows you to not choose the wrong relationship. This is what allows you to not keep chasing something that is not for you. It allows you to identify something and say, you know what? My bare minimum standard is that I want to date people who want to be with me. And while it hurts that this person doesn't want to be with me, they don't meet my minimum standard. So I can let that go and I can move forward knowing that I'm looking for the relationship for me. I don't have to hold on to things that, that aren't meeting my requirements. Like Oprah Winfrey says, I don't want anyone who doesn't want to be with me. Exactly. I mean, and it's so simple, but I see so many people, um, where that's why their dating experiences have become painful is they are continually engaging with people who are not offering what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Even if it's as simple as wanting to be in a, a relationship with them. And, and it is just so painful, but they are doing that because they're not resilient to rejection. They, they feel like the rejection might kill them. And so they, they keep engaging in a situation that's more painful than actually moving on would be. What do you say to people who are like, well, I like the chase. So the, the I'm, I'm okay with the rejection because I really like to chase somebody and really go after it. Well, that's fine, but you won't end up in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but if you like to chase, you can chase as long as you want to. I mean, and we're talking, we're talking to the women who are looking to be in a relationship. You know, a lot of times it's the time to be single. It's not always the right time to be in relationship. Right. I had a period of time uh, after my divorce where I was single for five years. And there, a lot of that time was not, I wasn't ready to be in a relationship again. And there was nothing wrong with that. 
Um, I would say though, chasing people is more often a painful experience than not, whether you're, you're single or, or pursuing a relationship. And I also think that there could be something that that's kind of a tell that there's something going on with you, whether it's some issues with your, your self-esteem, if you're attracted to kind to toxic patterns that maybe are rooted in childhood parental patterns or past relationships. Um, so I would say being in the chase and pursuing someone who isn't necessarily interested in you while someone might say they enjoy that, I would, I would, if I was doing a session with them, would dig a little deeper into that. Cause I don't know. If you really believe it. Yeah. Well, so um, before we dig into the dating superpower of being resilient to rejection, I would like you to tell everyone how they can get in touch with you um, and learn more about the Richer Love program. So we are posting a ton of content on the Richer Love Facebook page, which is now... Uh, it is Martin. it is Coach Laura Richer. <laughs> it is Coach, Coach Laura Richer. It's had a few names recently, <laughs> um, but it is Coach Laura Richer now. So mm-hmm. you can go to Facebook and check out. We have some great content on there and you can follow us there. You can also go to the website at richerlove.com and see us there. And you can also schedule a complimentary consultation where we'll set up a time that we can chat one-on-one and see if this would be a good fit for you to see if this is a program that could support you on your dating journey. I love it. And you do offer that. You offer a complimentary consultation to any potential new client just so they can find out if you are right for them and, and that you're, that you feel that they're a good fit for the program. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's awesome. So let's get into what this process is for developing your resilience superpower. Okay. What do we start with? So part of being resilient to rejection is knowing how amazing you are. You know, why should you tolerate less than you want? You are an amazing human being. You have a lot to offer the world. Why are you going to settle for less? So we don't always feel that way, especially if we have been rejected or or uh, in a negative, toxic relationship. So you want to start by focusing on your strengths, focusing on what is amazing about you, just building up that confidence, engaging in radical self-care, all of that good self-help stuff. So you want to start to feel really good. Yeah. Surround yourself by people who love and adore you, take in their good energy, but focus on what's great about you. Focus on your strengths. Do you think there's anything silly about something I used to do where um, I was working at a particularly toxic job? And so I had a list of the things that I knew were my strengths at work. And so I kept them kind of in my purse so that when I was having a a particularly bad day, I could look at that list and remind myself of my strengths. And that was just with work, but anyone could do this with any of their strengths. That's almost like you know, your daily positive affirmations in a way. Yes. I mean, we're taking in that negativity from the outside world all the time, you know, and sometimes we're getting criticism from work, from our teenage children. I mean, there's all (laughs) kinds of places where people are going to tell you you're falling short. So you want to work in on changing your own inner dialogue and how you talk to yourself. Because typically we are the most critical of ourselves. And we talk to ourselves in a way that we would not talk to anyone else. So you have to really get to a place where you love you. And that just starts by finding the reasons that you can focus on loving yourself. 
I love it. So number one, focus on your strengths. Yeah. What is the second thing we can do? Stay away from emotional vampires. And there is a book <laughs> by Dr. Christiane Northrup called, I forget the name of it now. Anyway, something about emotion. It's about how you stay away from emotional vampires. And it just talks about when you're with people who deplete your energy and really make you feel bad about yourself. I mean, if you're, if you've ever been friends with somebody, for example, that only talks about themselves, they only yes. want to engage with you when they need something from you. They want to feed off of your good energy. You notice mm. that you start feeling bad about yourself around those people. Yes. And frankly, bad about them. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have a current friend like this mm. right now who that's kind of how it is. And I'm, cutting the ties. It's, it is very depleting to be around that where it's, they're sucking the the life out of me. Yeah. And so what do you think if you, you know, and if you were dating, I know you're not now, but if you were dating and you were engaging in a lot of those relationships, what do you think the toll would be? I would feel completely depleted. I would have nothing left for myself and I would feel really, I think just kind of low and sad, Yeah, you know? It just, it, it just wouldn't be good. I'd, but the most important thing is I wouldn't have anything left for myself. Right. And one of the things you're talking, focusing on the strengths, focusing on taking care of myself and feeling good about myself. And that would not make me feel good. No, because when you're around people that don't really value you for you, it, you stop valuing. Well, you don't have to stop, but it could be easier to fall into the same pattern. Yes, exactly. So we're going to focus on our strengths and we're going to stay away from emotional vampires. Yeah. And then we are also going to number three. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but practice radical self-care. So self-care usually is thought of as like getting a massage and, you know, cooking yourself a nice meal. And that is awesome. I recommend doing that. Um, I think even bigger than that, self-care is monitoring how you talk to yourself in your own mind. Are you loving and compassionate towards yourself? And I had a new thought today about self-care. I'm in Ohio right now in the great state of Ohio, doing a, a residency for my master's degree in counseling. And we were talking about uh, self-care in class today. And I thought about self-care in the terms of allowing yourself to receive from other people. I mean, sometimes self-care oh. is letting other people take care of you. Sometimes we're so yeah. and doing it all ourselves and not taking anything from anybody. And I can go to work and take care of the house. And I don't need any friends to listen to my stories. And I can just be a self sustaining island, but that's not going to work. <laughs> not that Well, that won't be sustainable. It won't be sustainable. And you might be able to do it for like 40 years, but eventually you're going to crumble. We're, we're not wired like that. So yeah. if a friend wants to be there for you or have a conversation that's just about you or take care of you in any sort of imaginable way, let them. Yeah, Exactly. I think another thing of self-care that we often forget about is getting enough sleep. Yes. Because that is really crucial. I, yeah, I, I know I don't get enough sleep and that would, that would certainly help me. So radical self-care. Next, we have know your boundaries. Tell us about that. So your boundaries are your yes and your no. So when somebody asks something of you, it's either a yes or a no. And oftentimes it's a no, but we say yes, because we don't want to let anybody down. We don't want to be disagreeable. We don't 
want to have people decide that they don't like us anymore or not. Certainly, could, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. We don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So, so we'd oh, rather hurt our own. Right. By saying yes when we mean no. Sure. <laughs> so that becomes problematic because you resent everyone in your life when you say yes to things that you really want to say no to. Yeah. Um, and that isn't good self-care because you're not honoring what you need. And it's not about being selfish. You know, I can easily want to do something to help somebody and I do it without resentment and it is a yes. And it's not for me. I'm giving outside of myself, but I want to do it. I could also think, no, this is not something I want to do. And so I, you know, whether or not I have a good reason for it, you know, maybe all my friends want me to go out, but I'm too tired because I've worked all week or maybe work wants me to work crazy amounts of overtime. And I, and while they might need it and I'll make extra money, I just don't want to. And do you think knowing those boundaries is, is also kind of building up our, that helps us be resilient to rejection because we're not going to put ourselves in positions where we're doing something we don't want to and resentful and taking away from our own self-care. Is that the idea? Exactly. Because like I said, to be resilient to rejection, you have to know that you have your own back, that you're going to take care of you and not honoring your own boundaries is not you having your own back. It's the opposite. Absolutely. Throwing yourself to the wolves (laughs) (laughs) and 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 then some putting what other people need in front of your own needs. And that's when you can't trust yourself because if you can't say no, if you can't advocate for yourself, how could you trust yourself? What, who knows what you're going to do? You're not going to make the best choice for you. Right. So we want to know our boundaries, but then number five is interesting too. know your value. Yes. And that means just know that I'm a valuable person. I have something to bring to the relationship. And if he can't see it on a date or whatever, that's okay. I move on to the next. Is that the idea? And it might not even be that easy. It might be really hard and it might be really disappointing. But if you know your value, say you really want to have a family and you know you'd be a great mother and you know you have a a great career, you're in a place in your life where you could financially provide for children all of those things mm-hmm. that you're bringing that to the table. Why, why would you settle for something less than what you have to offer? So I think sometimes people are just so unsure of themselves. They don't really acknowledge everything that they bring to the table. And so they settle for something that's less than what they actually want or somebody who's treating you disrespectfully. I mean, if you're, well, if you're a person, you should be treated with respect as everyone should just for being human beings. But you know, if you're a kind person or you're a respectful person or you know, you want somebody to be supportive of you and you're dating someone who doesn't text you back, that that tells me you're disconnected from what your value is. Yep. Okay. And if you say, Hey, but you know the thing is, I'm a terrible person too. Well, then you might want to work on something. Then you need to work on yourself and increase yeah. your self-esteem. Yeah. Yes. So next is a really, really good one. Let life unfold. Be curious and trust the process. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Okay. So this was for me the aha moment that changed my dating experience. So I am a doer. I know how to identify a goal and I know how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I just push through all of the obstacles and I make, I force into being what I'm trying to do. Yes. <laughs> and that has served me in some arenas. I'm wrapping up, I'm getting close to wrapping up graduate school and that yes. has assisted graduate school. 
um, and it served me in certain areas of my career. But in relationship, I was doing that to, to people. I was saying, okay, well, you look attractive and I have this box that I need somebody to fit into. So maybe I can put you in this box. Yeah. I didn't let them show me who they were and that they in fact were not a match. Um, I wasn't being and as much as it kind of hurts to say, or, or it's not my proudest moment. You know, I wasn't being respectful to them and what, wherever they were on their journey and what they were looking for. I was looking to manage them into what I wanted them to be. Sure. Um, so I got to a place where I realized this is not a good strategy and it's not working. Mm-hmm. And I decided that I was just going to let life unfold. I wasn't going to have any agenda. I was going to meet somebody. I was going to let them show me who they were. And then I was going to say, is this a yes for me or is it a no for me? Yeah. And even, you know, if, even if it was that they weren't interested in me, that's a no for me. Like Oprah, I don't want to be with anyone who doesn't want me. Right. So if they said they didn't want me, I'm not trying to be like, but you should want me. Let me push you into that. Let me show you why you want me. Yeah. Let me repeat this. Let <laughs> sell this to you. <laughs> so that's interesting. Um, you know, Maya Angelou said, my mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive and to do so with some passion, some compassion, mm-hmm. some humor, and some style. I love and, that. Yeah. And that, I think the style really comes in there and like the the compassion is just letting it, letting it go, sitting back and knowing that it's all going to work out the way that it should and just let it happen naturally instead of forcing it. And be in the joy of that unfolding. I mean, you don't have, it's exhausting to try to manage everything into what you want it to be. Just allow some things to happen and, and be open to like there being possibilities that you never imagined that are fantastic. And, and it's exhausting to try to push for things all the time. So if you've been a pusher in your life, I know a lot of us have, you know, that's kind of how we have been programmed or raised. Take a step back and see what, uh, especially people who are career oriented, uh, take a step back and just in your relationships, just be curious, just mm-hmm. allow it to unfold. And, and it's either going to be amazing and you didn't sabotage it in the beginning by forcing it, or it's going to be terrible. And then you'll see that and you'll opt out before you're married with three kids. Exactly. It is interesting that you bring up a lot of us do that in our career because I was very focused on my career um, most of my life. I mean, that's what I was, that's what I was doing. And I, we, we have talked about this before to try not to manage relationships like you manage your, your career, because it's, it's two very different things. That's not to say that dating qualified candidates like you said before, not that you're interviewing people, you still want to date qualified candidates who are going to bring yeah. the most to your life experience and you yeah. to them, but to not treat it so much like a career and just yeah. push through all roadblocks, no matter what. Stay with the qualified candidates. That's, mm-hmm. That is solid, but don't take unqualified candidates and put them in your training program. Like if they're not the right fit, then let them go. Yes. No training program here. Well, and so that is what you have next on your list is to date qualified candidates. So we talked about this a little bit in the first half. Why do, if I, why do I keep dating unqualified candidates? So tell us again, what is a, what's a qualified candidate? I'm sure it's different for every person. 
Yeah. I mean, you're going to define what that is for you and your life. And so, and I've mentioned this many times before, when I met uh, Travis, who is a little younger than me, I kind of thought, I'm not really looking to date somebody younger than me. I've never done that before. But at the same time, I was really clear on what, what the qualifications were that I was looking for in another person and noticed how all of that was lining up. And so I was really able to get past something that was more superficial because I was really clear on what my definition of a fulfilling relationship and a, a complimentary partner would look like for me. Yeah. In my younger years, I <laughs> did not make choices in that sort of way and thought, oh, well, you're cute. And I know you've got like a laundry list of issues, but I'm sure it'll probably change. And yeah. Yeah, it'll change. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so that's kind of what you're talking about with your qualifications is what your, not so much standards, but maybe what your standards are and what yeah. you are looking for in a relationship. Right. And that's to kind of hold somebody up to the standards, not force them into meeting your standards, but to date someone who already is meeting them. Yeah, don't force anybody into doing anything that's not your job. And it's really disrespectful of the path that they're on. And, you know, you want to look for the people who are complement and, and have the similar life vision as you, not somebody who you have to beat into submission. Yeah, exactly. Them into we don't want that. <laughs> and, you know, and that's sometimes it's really vague. It's not so cut and dry. But if you, I mean, here's some tells, if you just feel disappointed all the time, if you feel Ugh. let down all the time, if you feel stagnant, like nothing is moving forward, if you feel like you can't speak up and say what you really think or that you're shut down when you're trying to share, those are all signs that you are trying to manage somebody into a place that, where they're not ready to be. Yeah. Yeah. So the last one to uncover our superpowers, and we only have about two minutes left. Oh my gosh. Is... I know. Don't be afraid to let go of the things that don't fit and don't work. And we've kind of been just saying this. Don't force someone into your box or yeah. into your training program. Yeah, your training. <laughs> Candidates training program. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but don't be afraid to let go of it. It's If it's not right and this isn't the right person, it's okay to walk away from it. Right? And meet somebody who is the right partner. Well, and I have said this many times before, I actually don't buy into the idea that relationships are hard work or that marriages are hard work. Right. They are, I think that they take commitment and they take sometimes compromise and they take um, being kind and compassionate when you don't feel like it sometimes and those kinds of things. Yeah. But if it's hard work, if you feel energetically completely drained, if you feel like you're not even yourself anymore, that you look in the mirror and you're like, who is this in this relationship? If you feel like you have totally self-sacrificed, if it's that kind of hard work, you're in the yeah. 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 So I can't believe this, but our time is up. This has been another wow. fantastic episode. Yes. Uh, for more information from Laura, they should go to richerlove.com. Yes. Yes. And definitely follow you on Facebook, Coach Laura Richer. So thanks everyone for tuning in. And we look forward to seeing you at the next episode of the Laura Richer Show. Have a good day. Bye. You've been listening to On The Verge Radio, using your breakdown for a breakthrough with Coach Laura Richer. We all have that moment in life when we are on the verge of big change. This time of transition is a wild and unknown place. How will you show up? 
Embrace the positive, drop the negative, and you can experience total transformation. Schedule a breakthrough session with Laura at seattlehealinghypnosis.com. Laura will help you discover the path to creating rapid and positive changes. Tune in every month for On The Verge Radio with Laura Richer. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.